Thank you, praise team. I love all of you and appreciate you so much. Thank you for leading us today. If you closed your Bible when we read Ephesians 4, if you'll reopen it to Ephesians 4, we're going to be looking at that text now for the next few minutes. We started a series a few weeks ago called What Every Christian Should Know. And I think we all agree there are, if you're going to be a Christian, there are some things you need to know. If you're going to be a doctor, there's some things you need to know. If you're going to be a nurse, there's some things you need to know. If you're going to be an educator, there's some things you need to know. If you're going to be an electrician, a plumber, there's some things you need to know. If you're going to be a pastor, there's some things you need to know. It makes sense that if you're going to be a Christian, there are some things that you need to know. So we started the series by asking this very basic question. Are you a Christian for certain? In the subsequent weeks... We've looked at what every Christian should know about the Bible, what every Christian should know about God, what every Christian should know about Jesus, what every Christian should know about the Holy Spirit. And that leads us today to this, what every Christian should know about growing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1, Paul says, Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Now, the purpose of my reading that verse was not for us to discuss food offered to idols, but it was the section that Paul says about knowledge can puff up. I love doctrine. I do. I just love it. I love to read about it. I love to study it. I love to preach it. It's important. However, we must be careful lest doctrine and knowledge become an end in themselves. Baptist preacher Adrian Rogers once said, the ultimate yardstick of your life as a believer is not how much you know, but how much you grow. And I think he nailed it right on the head. So we're going to talk today about what every Christian should know about growing. At some point in the life of the majority of you, not every person in this room, but in the life of the majority of you, you made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. It may have been while you were a child, a teenager, a college student, or a young adult, or a middle-aged adult, or a senior adult, but at some point in your life, you made a commitment to Jesus as your Savior and Lord. So that's the most important decision of your life. It means a lot of things, but one thing it means is you're going to spend eternity in heaven, so why not just go on? I mean, why is it that God leaves us here? That may seem like a silly question, but really, when we give our lives to Christ, our eternal direction and our eternal destiny sets, so why not just go on? Why doesn't God just say, come on home? Well, there's a purpose for us remaining here. There is a definite person, a definite responsibility that God has entrusted to every single one of us, and it's all interwoven with the fact that the Scripture stresses the importance of every follower of Christ, of every believer growing in Jesus. And so that is what we're going to talk about today. We, we grow to the glory of God. We grow to be a witness to others, to let others know that Jesus does make a difference in our lives. We grow in order to bless people. So as we look back at the text that we read this morning from Ephesians, As we think about the subject, what every Christian should know about growing, there are five things I want to leave with you. And the first is this. 
it is imperative. That is, growing is imperative. It is imperative. And the Scripture makes that very clear. Physical growth beyond infancy is imperative for our health and our well-being. We certainly understand that. Spiritual growth is a biblical imperative for the Christian, and it is so for four reasons. It is a biblical imperative for every believer, first, for the glory of God, that we might, in all that we do, bring glory to Him. The second reason that it is an imperative is for our own well-being. God wants to bless us as we grow in Him spiritually. So we grow for the glory of God. It's an imperative. We grow for our own spiritual well-being. And we also grow for the power of our witness. That's the third reason. For the power of our witness so that we can let those around us know Jesus Christ makes a difference in my life and He can make a difference in your life also. And then the fourth reason that we grow is in order to bring blessing to other people. This uh, passage of Scripture is filled with words about serving, about service. We serve God by serving people. And so we know that growing spiritually is an imperative for four reasons. One for the glory of God, one for our own spiritual well-being, one for the power of our witness, and the other for our bringing a blessing to others. So growing is an imperative. The second thing that we notice from this text about what every Christian should know about growing is this. It is blessed by leadership. It is blessed by leadership. That is, growing spiritually is blessed by leadership. If you look at verse 11, you will find Paul gives us a list of spiritually gifted leaders. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, elders, they're the same pastors, elders, and teachers. So what is their role? Well, their roles are functionally different from one another, but the one thing that they all have in common is that they do what they do, they lead as they lead for the building of the body of Christ, which is the church, not for self-aggrandizement or for boasting or for the glorification of a person, but for the building up of the body of Christ. Leadership matters, doesn't it? Leadership matters in a country. Leadership matters in a school. How many times have you known of a school that was a poor-performing school? And a new principal comes in and everything changes. And before you know it, they're a high-performing school. Leadership matters. Leadership matters on a team. How many times have we seen a coaching change that took a team that that struggled and had a losing record? And the next thing you know, they have a winning record and are competing for championships. Leadership matters. It matters in the church. It matters in the family unit. It matters in business. It matters in everything. Leadership matters. And so we see that God has entrusted to the church leaders who are to bring blessing to the church and to help guide and lead in the building up of the body of Christ. So two things we notice about the importance of of things that every Christian should know about growing. First, it is imperative, and second, it is blessed by leadership. Now, there's a third thing that we should know 
that every Christian should know about growing. And the third thing is this. It means equipping. That is, growing means equipping. Now, I've taken this third point and divided it into two points. The first is with tools. It means equipping with tools. And the second is it means equipping for two things, for service and for building up. So first, it means equipping with tools, according to verse 12. It means equipping with tools, equipping his people, that is the church, that is Christians, for works of service, that is by serving God, by serving people, to the building up of the body of Christ, the church. Jesus said in in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so God equips us with tools that go to the building up of the body of Christ, and we find ourselves in the midst of something that only God can do as God builds his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is an individual and a collective equipping. God has given us four Basic tools for equipping. And I'm going to give you what, I'm going to give you all four of them. The first two will not surprise you. You'll say, yeah, I knew that. The last two won't surprise some of you, but it will surprise others who'll say, well, I never thought of that. So what's tool number one? Tool number one is the Bible. Again, you're saying, if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, well, that's no surprise. I know that. Even if you're not reading your Bible, You know you should be, and you know that the Scripture is a tool to equip us for the building up of the body of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is a tool, an imperative tool that helps us to grow, to build the body of Christ. So, quite frankly, apart from Scripture, there will be no spiritual growth. So I I want, want that to sink in this morning. Apart from the Scripture, there will be no spiritual growth. You may walk, you may darken the doors of this church almost every Sunday. Uh, You may be active in this, that, or the other. But if you're not reading Scripture, there will be no spiritual growth. There won't be. It is an absolute imperative. We feed ourselves and we feed one another with Scripture. So it is imperative, as one God is called to help equip this church, it is imperative that we read the Bible and, quite frankly, that we do so on a daily basis. Now, that's nothing new. Those of you who have been here for a while heard me say that. In fact, you've heard what I'm about to say a dozen times in the last year and probably a hundred times in the last 30 years. Do you read your Bible daily? If you do and you have a Bible reading plan, then you can close your ears for the next 30 seconds. You don't need to pay any attention to what I'm saying. Just keep doing what you've been doing. However, if you do not have a Bible reading plan, then I want to encourage you to follow this one. Read books at a time and begin with the Gospel of Mark, the shortest version of the life and the works and the teaching of Christ, the Gospel of Mark. Follow that up with the Gospel of John. That tells things that are not in the Gospel of Mark that gives you a a more total and complete picture of Jesus, what he said, what he did, and what he taught. Mark 
and John. Then go to the book of Acts. How did Christianity get from there to here? Read the Gospel of Acts. You'll find out how the Christian, how Christianity got from there to here. After Acts, go to Romans. By that time, you're ready to do some underwater swimming, some deep sea diving. Go to the book of Romans and read Romans. After you've completed Romans, then go to the book of Philippians, because after Romans, it would be good to have Philippians. Philippians is the happiest book in the Bible, so read the book of Philippians. After Philippians, then go to the Old Testament, read Psalms, then read Proverbs. And if you're still with it, by the time you finish Proverbs, you don't need me or anybody else to tell you what to read. You'll be so engrossed in it, you'll keep on doing it for the rest of your life. So that's the challenge for you. And if you hang around here for another six months, I hang around here for another six months, you're probably going to hear that again. Every time I give it, almost without exception, in the next week, two or three, somebody will come to me and say, I never heard that, and I've started doing that, and it's a blessing. Or someone will say, you know, I've been doing You said that five years ago, and I've been doing it ever since, and it's been a blessing. So I'm counting on that helping somebody. That's why I've given it again today. So here we go. First tool, the Bible. Second tool, prayer. Surprise? Of course not. Pray without ceasing. Paul said, pray continuously, Paul said, First Thessalonians 5.17. Here's why we pray, four reasons why we pray. You know why we pray? Here's four reasons. We pray for the praise of God. That's our first reason. He's awesome, and we want him to know how we feel about him. So we pray for the praise of God. Second, we pray for the confession of our sins, which we need to do continuously. Thirdly, we pray to express gratitude to God. And number four, we pray for intercession for other people and for ourselves. So we pray for the praise of God, for the confession of our sins, for the expression of gratitude, and for intercession for others and for ourselves. Now, if you will practice these two tools, prayer and Scripture, if you will practice those two, I promise you there will be spiritual growth in your life. It is inevitable. You can't miss. It's important. Remember, it's imperative. So do it and you will grow spiritually. If you read the Bible and pray faithfully on a daily basis for the next year and you don't grow spiritually, please come see me and tell me because I'm going to have to quit saying that. But I'm not worried about that happening because if you read the Bible and pray faithfully for the next year, you will grow spiritually. Now, we're to the third tool. Numbers one and two, no surprise, you knew that. The third one may surprise some of you. The third tool for equipping is testing. Trials, temptation, testing. People test us, don't they? You may be seated near one or two of them. I'm just saying, I don't know, but people test us. It may be you have a lousy roommate, or it may be somebody in your own household. It may be somebody you work with, somebody you go to school with. People test us. It just happens. Circumstances test us. Maybe the loss of a job. It may be a struggle in school. It may be family problems. It may be sickness, illness. But but circumstances test us. So people test us and circumstances test us. And here's what James said about it in his epistle. Chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it. I can hardly read this. 
you know, because you know what he's going to say. Consider it pure joy. Come on, James. <laughs> Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There you go. Testing is that third tool that will ensure that you grow as a believer. The fourth tool is suffering. Maybe what you were thinking was next, maybe not. It's suffering. First Peter chapter 5 and, um, and verse 10, Peter writes, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. There you go. And Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.12 that anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So tools 3 and 4, testing and suffering. Now, you control number one and number two. You control how much you read the Bible and how much you pray. That's totally under your control. Numbers three and four, testing and suffering, not under your control. And believe me, you don't have to look for them, okay? You don't have to go on a search for testing or suffering. They will find you, so let them find you. But when they come... Will you allow testing and suffering to equip you and strengthen you to grow you for the reasons we talked about early, for the glory of God, for the witness and the testimony, for your own spiritual well-being, for the sharing of the gospel and for serving and for serving others. When you think about suffering, let me give you a macro example. That's China, country of China. 1959, China just closed herself in and shut herself off from the rest of the world, almost totally. At that time, there were 1.6 million Christians in China. In 1979, 20 years later, China began to open up a little bit at a time to the rest of the world. And when she did, we discovered that in 1979, there were 6 million Christians in China. Lots of persecution over those 20 years, yet a growth from 1.6 million to 6 million. Do you know how many Christians there are in China now? In spite of repression, in spite of persecution that has ramped up big time in the last year, there are now in China over 70 million Christians growing like crazy. And missiology, missiologists are plotting the growth chart for China. And if everything continues as it is, complete with persecution, by the year 2025, only seven years from now, there will in China be 160 million Christians. And by 2030, 12 years from now, most of you in this room will be here in 2030. By 2030, 12 years from now, there will be 247 million Christians in China, and they will then be the country with the most Christians in all the world, more even than the United States of America. In the middle of persecution and testing, 
because that is the way God works. One of his tools is testing and another is suffering. So don't go looking for it. It'll come to you. But when it comes, and it will, use it as a tool for growing spiritually. Now, I said I divided this into two parts. It means equipping with tools. It also means equipping for two things, service and building up. Service, serving in the church, serving those around you, serving the the community. Through serving, God raises up elders and teachers and deacons and and it's an amazing thing to watch and so when you come and stay in a place as long as i've been here it's been amazing to watch some kids who 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 were maybe born after i got here or were little kids when i got here and now watch them be leaders in the church it's an amazing thing to to observe i watched project apple tree a week ago I was just amazed, and I look every year, and there are always new leaders, new new leaders, young people, young couples, older people, new leaders, and I watch them being groomed and shaped and molded to to become stronger leaders in the life of the church in, in the days to come. Did you know that on uh, on our twelve international mission trips this summer, of our twelve international mission trips, that we had youth who went on nine of those trips. Sprinkled throughout all nine of those groups were, were a lot of our teenagers. Amazing things to see. I'll tell you, they will never forget it. Their lives have been changed forever. And the only reason they didn't go on the other three trips was that two of them were to very high security countries where we just could not allow teenagers to go. And the other one left Friday. So if they'd gone on that trip, they would have missed the start of school. So that's the only reason we didn't have youth on every single mission trip. We had children with their parents on some of these mission trips. What do you think they're thinking now about their view of the world, their view of the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Their thinking is totally different than it was when they left. And and we can see that they are being equipped for service and they're being equipped for building up, for building up the body of Christ, the, the body of Christ local and the body of Christ universal. Now, this is this will make the church stronger. This growing will build up the church. So what does God see when he looks at us? Well, what I hope he sees is that our bones are getting stronger. That's what I hope he sees. Our bones are getting stronger. And he talks in this passage about ligaments and, and parts of the body being tied together. And as God looks at us, I hope he sees, yep, the bones down there are getting stronger. I like what I'm seeing. Now, number four, we're almost done. It comes with evidence. Verses 13 through 15, it comes with. What does it come with? Here's how we know. Physical growth can be seen with the eyes. I can look at my grandchildren and I can see, I can see in the last year how much they've grown. So physical growth we can see with the eyes. Spiritual growth we can't always see with the eyes. But Paul tells us there is evidence of spiritual growth and he's gracious enough to tell us what it is. In verses 13, 14, and 15. So in verse 13, he tells us, growing comes with unity. Unity in the faith. 
Growing comes with unity in the faith. That's more than standing around a campfire and singing Kumbaya or whatever around a campfire. It means unified faith in the gospel and in our core beliefs. It's an outgrowth uh, of equipping and the results are service and the building up of the, of the body of Christ. We're not disjointed. We don't have soft, a soft, mushy, anything goes kind of attitude, but we have a belief in a foundation of the faith and of our Lord Jesus Christ. And an evidence that we are growing is, is unity in the faith. A church where there's not constant fights or disunity, but a sense of oneness built on faith grounded in Scripture, not in culture. We're in real trouble if our faith is built on culture. We're in real trouble. But our faith is built on Scripture, not on culture. So the second evidence that he gives is that it comes with knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge of the Son of God, a correct and accurate knowledge of the Son of God that comes through a personal relationship with Him. It's a lifelong process. You understand that. It's a lifelong process. After preaching the sermon of the first service, I went into one of our senior adult classes, and there was a man in his 80s who I know very well, a wonderful Christian man, and he stopped me and he said, I just want you to know, I'm still growing. And I said, praise God, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Whether we're 12 or 92, the growth is a lifelong process, and it comes with knowledge of the Son of God. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. And in John chapter 10, Jesus said in verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And this speaks not just of a, of a, of an identity, but of an intimacy. Not only does he know us by name, but he knows us intimately and personally. We belong to him. The third evidence that's given of our, of, of, of our growth is spiritual maturity. Verse 13. Now, no one in this room is going to attain, achieve perfection. But we can continue to grow more and more to a maturity level that pleases Christ as He sees us making progress in our spiritual maturity. And Paul says, evidence of growing is spiritual maturity. A fourth evidence of growing found in verse 14 is sound doctrine. Now, Paul uses some shock words in verse 14. He does so purposefully to get everybody's attention. He uses the word cunning, craftiness, deceitful, and scheming. Because he's warning they're out there. They're those out there who are cunning, crafty, deceitful, and scheming. And they have a strange theology. And they will try to suck you into it if they can. Strange theology is not hard to find. You won't have to look far to find it. What's our surefire protection? The Bible and prayer and trusting the Holy Spirit as He speaks to our hearts. And when something sounds strange, it probably is. And that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, stay away from that. Now the last evidence of love, or last evidence of of growing 
that he gives us in this text is real love. He says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth, but do it in a loving manner, not with harsh hostility. You all know the difference. Maybe someone at some point in life has been critical of something you've said or done. And you know the difference between the person who comes graciously and kindly in love and gently shares with you what appears to be the error of your way. As opposed to the person who is demeaning and attacking and hypercritical and makes you feel like a worm or else makes you very angry at them. There's a difference. And Paul tells us, speak the truth always, but speak it in love. So we beware of mushy compromise that doesn't know where it stands, and we beware of cold, harsh orthodoxy. So the last thing this morning is this. Growing results in something powerful. It results in something powerful. And you can see it in verse 16. From Him, that is Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What does every Christian need to know about growing? Growing results in something powerful. It's called the body. The body of Christ, the church. And we get our authority and our power from Christ himself. And every part of the body works together for the glory of God. So what do you do with all this? Well, we know. We practice those four disciplines of the faith. Scripture, prayer, you control that. You're in absolute total control of the amount of time you spend reading Scripture and praying. The other two tools... You're not in control of them. Testing and suffering, you're only in control of how you respond to them and allowing those tools to help you to grow in your faith in Jesus. So, for today at least, that's what every Christian needs to know about growing. So let's bow our heads together for prayer. In a moment, we close our service with a time of invitation. And we do this every Sunday because it's our belief, it's our heartfelt conviction that when you get this many people in a room, not all of them know Jesus. And it may be that you are one here today who has come not yet knowing Jesus, not yet having a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And this morning, the Spirit of God is tugging at your heart and you know it you sense it 
And so in a moment when we stand and begin to sing, I invite you to slip out from your seat, led by the Spirit of God, slip out of your seat, make your way here to the front, place your hand in mine, and just say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our church staff will be here to pray with you, to open God's Word, to share with you that on this Sunday morning in August of 2018, you can come into a personal saving relationship with Jesus. And then for every believer in this room, and that would be the majority of us, how do we respond to what we've heard today? Is there an affirmation of the use of your time and your gifts for the Lord? Or is there a challenge that says, I need to spend more time in Scripture and in prayer, and I need to respond in a godly way to testing and suffering. If that be the word from the Holy Spirit to you, then act in obedience this very day. So, Father, we thank you in advance for the way that you're speaking to our hearts and ask that if there's one or a dozen in this room who do not yet know Jesus, that that man or that woman will come right now trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord. In his precious name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come.